0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to a uh, we'll call this a special edition of Miami mic Up after the Miami Heat took down the Milwaukee Bucks in five games in the first round, pulling off the 8-1 upset of Milwaukee. Uh, pretty sensational series for the Miami Heat. We've obviously been talking about it a lot here on Miami Miked Up and throughout social media. But this is going to be a fun episode because I am here with my boss. Patrick Brewer is with me, and he, in some respects here, is going to be the host of this episode of Miami mic Up. Well, I sort of recede into the analyst role. We figured I was around this series in the first round with the Heat and the Bucks. I'll be around this next series with the Heat and the Knicks. Been around all season long on the sideline. Really have enjoyed covering this Miami Heat team. And um, some of you may have seen that uh, the takes have been out there online over the last week or so. And so we figured this was a moment uh to kind of jump in on on some of those takes and break down what what's headed forward. Um Patrick Patrick Brewer, which by the way, I don't know if I've ever even said to you how absolutely insane that is for me as a huge fan of schitt's Creek um with the character Patrick Brewer. Um even weirder ever since we've hired a David. So now it is David and Patrick and that is also the characters from schitt's Creek. So Patrick, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but hey man, Welcome to Miami, Mic'd Up, happy to have you here.
1: There's like seven things to respond to. There, yeah. <laughs> uh, good morning. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me. Excited to to be on here, and and yes, let's uh, the coup begins now. Um, yeah, exactly. as, as I try to take over take over all digital properties here. Um, and, and no, super excited to talk Miami Heat with you. And yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. The idea here being. You know, Jeremy's been around this team all season long. We'll be going forward and just sort of tapping into what he's seen all season long and what we're getting ready for in the postseason. Um, and yes, I have heard the the Shit's Creek's uh, references before. <laughs> I haven't finished that series all the way through. Um, How dare you, man? Big fan of it. Uh, look, you know, there's only so much time in the day, and I got. I got Super Mario 64 speedruns to watch. All right? So, um, and I'm revealing way too much about myself. But, no, very excited to have this conversation with you and, and really tap into um, sort of your experience here and, and your perspective and, and expertise. So, um, you know, if you want me to start firing stuff off at you, we can do that.
0: Well, before, before we do that, I do want to remind everyone. So, we just had the entire series of the first round on our air on Bally Sports. We broadcast every game. It went... Obviously, incredibly well, um, and I'm sad that I'm not going to be hearing the voices of Eric Reed and John Crotty throughout these games in the second round, but we will have full post-game coverage after every single game of this Heat-Knicks series. And once the Heat advanced beyond the second round, we will continue to have those post-game coverages. Um, but post-game shows... Coming out early, too. Yeah, there we go. Post Post-game shows... Uh, on Bally Sports, on the Bally Sports app, on BallySports.com, on Bally Sports Plus, if you got it. And of course, on Bally Sports Sun. Um, and we will be directing you guys on our Twitter account, at Bally Heat, where you can watch those post game shows every single night after Heat nicks. Um, and I will be on a couple of those postgame shows when the Heat are here in Miami. So really looking forward to that. Excited to be covering this series. And so now this gives us an opportunity to start diving into the questions. So Patrick, you can take it away.
1: Yeah, no, I I think I think the very uh, tough first question I have for you, and this is really out of left field, is so that Jimmy Butler guy, uh, (laughs) pretty good at basketball.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, good at basketball. Your thoughts? I think that's the way to. I think that's the perfect way to phrase it. Um, So first of all, um, yes, I've had uh, some takes out there on on Jimmy Butler, Um, specifically. Patrick uh, made me look like a crazy person who was talking to himself by tweeting out a graphic after this series with a quote of mine from the Twitter account that everyone is just constantly assuming that I'm the only one who runs it, the at Valley Heat Twitter account. Um, and the take was Jimmy Butler is the best player in this series, whether Giannis is healthy or not. Well, I certainly think I was proven right. Uh, Jimmy Butler has this innate ability to turn it on in the playoffs in a way that is so unique is so um it's so special and there's not a lot of players where you can visibly see that switch flip and and with Jimmy it's like he's someone who can do this in the regular season kind of whenever he feels like it um we've seen him in some big moments in the regular season or even just In games where he kind of felt a groove and was like, all right, yeah, I'll take this one over. Um, But in the playoffs, Jimmy Butler, over the last four years, has been unbelievable. The the only postseason where he had any sort of struggle was when the Heat were coming off basically a six-week turnaround after the bubble into the next regular season. And all of their bodies were broken down, as were the Lakers. The Lakers were a Mm first-round exit that following year as well. Um, all those teams that went deep into the bubble struggled the following season. But when you're looking at at a full normal offseason, Jimmy Butler has been simply sensational. And in this series, to to not only have a a 56 point masterpiece that helped the Heat to a a a comeback of epic proportions in Game Four and take a three one lead, but to follow that up with 42 points. A game-tying shot in the final moments, taking over the fourth quarter, winning the game in overtime. Jimmy's doing things that that we've never seen in a Heat uniform. And and that's pretty insane to say when you have the likes of Dwayne Wade, Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway back in the day, Shaquille O'Neal, obviously LeBron James, Chris Bosh. Like, Hall like, of Famers. Yeah, all of these guys are Hall of Famers. Like
1: a murderer's row of Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah, and Jimmy yeah. Butler has has the standout performance among that group. That's why. Correct.
0: It, it's, really, it's really unbelievable. And now he has the most 40 plus point games in playoff history for the Miami Heat. And he's done it in less than half the games that Dwayne Wade played in a Heat uniform in the playoffs. It, it's like those stats are what are unbelievable. Because the thing that we forget is that when the Heat traded for Jimmy Butler, and and talked about him as this whale that they were getting. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of folks around the league did not look at Jimmy Butler as the type of guy who could be the best player on a team that can compete for championships. Right. And Wasn't now
1: it who else is coming? Wasn't right. it? Who else are they going right. to get? It was Who's who else gonna are they going to get? There? What are they going to do to yeah. surround this
0: guy? And in his very this first season. This is fine,
1: but is it going to get them there?
0: Exactly. And, and in his well. very first season. He led the Heat to, to to a championship where, no, they did not win the championship, but they went to the championship against the Los Angeles Lakers and lost ultimately to LeBron James and Anthony Davis when Famine Adebayo and Goran Dragic got hurt. I am someone, as are most people around Heat Nation, who believe that series may have gone differently had the Heat been fully healthy. Um, but Jimmy Butler certainly did his part. He had the iconic performances. He had the iconic image of leaning up against the, the bench after carrying the team on his back with another 40-point performance. He has some of the most iconic performances in this team's playoff history. And, you know, to say that he was the best player in the previous series against Milwaukee, look, for for a full career, there is a likelihood and and a more more than... Uh, more than 50% chance, we'll call it a 90% chance, that, that Giannis Antetokounmpo has a better career than Jimmy Butler has, right? It, it, that, that ultimately, Giannis is considered of a certain stature that would be above Jimmy Butler. That said, Jimmy Butler, oh, right now, last week and this, and half, season, this whole season in his efficiencies, if the Heat had not been an eight seed, Jimmy Butler would have been an MVP candidate. The, the stats yeah. backed it up. He had an unbelievable season if he had played a few more games and if he had been on a team that had won a little bit more, and that's really more about the role players than it was him, a team that, that basically it felt like shot 6% from three for most of the season. He, had, he would have been in those types of categories of like, man, look at this guy following up what he did last year in that run with another unbelievable regular season. And he was one of the most efficient players in basketball. It was his best regular season of his career. And he comes into the postseason as that player, as a guy who took the time to manage his body during the regular season. He and his training staff and the Heat training staff and the Heat coaches all sat down this offseason. And they calculated, what is it going to take for Jimmy to be that guy in the postseason again? What is it going to take for us to get that guy there? And they sacrificed he didn't play sometimes during the regular season when maybe the Heat could have used a couple of more wins and a couple of more performances like this with Jimmy carrying them on their back. But they know that the postseason is what matters. Jimmy knows that the postseason is what matters. And he got here in his fullest form and played some of the most unbelievable playoff basketball we've ever seen. And so the the follow up on the take of, you know, best in the series was I hypothesized just a couple of days ago or yesterday or I don't know, the internet's been driving me so crazy that I can't even remember what day it is, but um, I went on the Dan Levitard show, and I asked a question, which was, if you took the Jimmy Butler of the last four years and you replaced LeBron from the Big Three era with that Jimmy Butler, do the Heat win less championships? Do they win more championships? Do they win the same amount of championships? And look, let me t- go a little behind the bit for a second. Obviously, I am, I am I'm not dumb. <laughs> I watched LeBron James in the Miami Heat uniform. I understand that not only is that the best player that's ever put on a Miami Heat uniform, but that was the best version of LeBron James, who I believe yes. is the greatest basketball player who's ever lived. So it's really difficult to say that this Jimmy Butler would be better than that. The point behind the take and, and the thought process was to have a player with this level of, of singular dominance who constantly is showing up in the biggest moments, who is unafraid. And look, LeBron James, his first season with the Miami Heat played scared like he was amazing during the regular season, but he, he played scared. He played scared in the NBA Finals, and it's why they lost to the the Dallas Mavericks. That was a great Mavericks team. Dirk Nowitzki was sensational in those finals, but LeBron James couldn't post up J.J. Barea. And after watching Jimmy Butler take Drew Holiday, who's the best perimeter defender in basketball, arguably, Mm -hmm. and dominate him, dominate him because there was a slight height discrepancy. You know, to then watch him do it against Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. It did not matter who you threw at Jimmy Butler. He was unafraid. He was going to get to his spots. He was going to make it happen. And so, no, is Jimmy Butler LeBron James? No, Jimmy Butler is not LeBron James. But the playoff performer that we've seen for the last four years, it makes you wonder if he was surrounded with the supporting cast of Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Ray Allen and Shane Battier and... All of these unbelievable pieces where right now at the end of this last game, no, and it's no offense to any of these players, but it's four undrafted players who are around him. He's closing that game in overtime with Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Haywood Highsmith, and Caleb Martin. LeBron was closing with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Ray Allen, and Shane Battier. It, it really is so unbelievable to see that Jimmy Butler right now was doing the things that LeBron was doing before he got to Miami. Taking teams that had no business advancing as far into the postseason as they did and making it happen over and over and over again. And I know this has been a long ramble, but it's essentially to say, Jimmy Butler is playing on a level that we need to appreciate, that Heat fans need to appreciate, because a lot of us were really spoiled by that Big Three era. This expectation of championship every single season. And the letdown of that leads to a lot of people of, of, of sort of my generation of, of I was in high school during the big three era to have these kind of unrealistic expectations of, of what greatness is Jimmy Butler is greatness like Jimmy Butler is greatness personified and what he does in these postseason games it, it's been it's one of the most special things I've ever seen and I, I'm so grateful to have been in the building to witness what happened in game four
1: yeah i mean he, he's shown to be a singular talent i mean that was mm-hmm. the case before and <clears throat> there are a handful of teams in the nba uh who i bet are uh, less than thrilled with uh, their decision to not partner with jimmy butler for oh, longer than you think, they had him. You,
0: you think the philadelphia um, 76ers might be a little upset that they chose tobias harris
1: i think the only person who tweets about the heat more than we do or tweets about Jimmy Butler more than we do is Joel Embiid. It's um, unbelievable.
0: You're <laughs> so right. It's but so that, right. that's
1: that's to his credit. Um and I think the the only other question uh for Jimmy Butler before we move on is mm-hmm. which of his iconic pictures, <clears throat> mm. much like the one over your shoulder of U D, uh is going up on, on Championship Alley? Which one becomes the Jimmy Butler picture? Is it the like over one? It is feels it like Jimmy Butler. after uh... pick-
0: well, no, just, I, I was I'm sorry to interrupt. It, it just feels like Jimmy Butler needs his own hallway at this point. I mean, you yes, can list, that, that you can it. list, you can list the pictures.
1: That's a great content idea. Best, best uh, Jimmy Butler pictures over his uh, Miami Heat career. Um, I'll
0: know, and, tell you this: we're certainly, we're certainly going to get. You'll certainly see the 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 leaning over the scorers table one uh, forever. Even for, that's bound to be. I know Championship Alley is about one like winning championships, and that's what's difficult here is that. I yeah. know it's about the ones that have been. The bar won, is so I mean, high. come on. To have that photo's got to be there someday in the montage. Uh, the, the him leaning to the side now to hit that game tying shot. Him screaming the shot the shot. The, like him screaming at the top of his lungs after game four. I mean, this man has has now again. In a franchise history that includes three championships in the last 20 years. No, last 15 years, essentially. Three championships in the last 15 years, going to five of them. Some of the greatest players in NBA history throwing your uniform on. And outside of like, this is my house, and the LeBron look during game six, it's hard to think of a lot more iconic individual photos than those that exist of Jimmy Butler also because this man is a performer like that's also the that's the difference in all of this too is that like there was one thing about the competitive nature of the big three era and but like all of those titles almost felt like a level of relief like you almost couldn't appreciate the joy in the same way that that these these runs have been with the heat because like nobody expected it in 2020. Nobody expected them then to be yeah. a one seed in 2022. Nobody expected them to upset the Bucs. So the unbridled joy that comes with that as an underdog, as opposed to some of the stress that it was to be a Heat fan during the Big Three era, where especially the second year coming off of the loss to the Mavericks, where winning the championship against San, uh, against Oklahoma City, felt like this huge sense of relief and this monkey off totally. your back and there was so much joy I mean cocky heat fan was well, the greatest thing in the world at that time
1: but you're not wrong things would have changed comp- like the relief thing matters um and things would have been remarkably different if they don't be okc you know They'd that blow young, it up OKC probably in that they year blow it up yeah you might blow it up <laughs> and and you, and you you talk about it and I know you and I have talked about it before media days um and that's always funny when when you're right about jimmy butler being a bit of a performer um is the difference maybe between those older heat teams and the this current iteration is the um i have a real thought i promise it's <laughs> the, the the letdown of defeat being much bigger than the joy of victory mm. and i think you're you're touching on a good point when you talk about that those older heat teams or those previous heat teams whereas the ones right now feel like oh this win is just fun it's like, just this fun. is just joyful, exciting mm-hmm. victories. And there isn't that, like, not fear. Fear's not the right word. I don't believe they they operate with fear. But, like, there's not that resignation that uh, things, this has to happen or things are ruined.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, that I almost hope that, that Heat fans are feeling that the way that it, it really should be. Because I think, like, understandably, a lot of Heat fans did not have a very fun time watching this team this season. Because when the Heat ran it back with a very similar group to what they had last year that was a number one seed, there were a lot of fans this offseason going, hey, you need to make this tweak and that tweak and that tweak and that tweak. And look, the Heat have owned it themselves. They needed to pick up Kevin Love and Cody Zeller because they were getting crushed on the boards all season long, right? Like, the Heat do have their, their issues in the way that this roster, you know, was performing throughout most of the season. And I think that took away some of the joy because it was the first time in this Jimmy Butler era that there were major expectations. The bubble year, there were no expectations. The year after that, there were some expectations, but everybody sort of understood, like, man, they're coming off a six week off season. This is a weird time just in the world. So 2022, it was all right, let's hope for the best. and. And it was, they were a one seed. And all of these guys emerged from nowhere and became, and PJ Tucker became Udonis Haslam in some ways. And like, there were these really cool moments that got to be this unbridled joy. This was the first season of Jimmy Butler where there were these like major expectations from the fan base. And I think that's part of why it wasn't as joyful of a regular season as it should have been. And that's why this postseason performance gets to be extra joyful because there were no expectations from most fans there. There was the like, Hey, look, we played this team tough before, you know, the the Bucks really owned the heat in the 2021 postseason would be nice to be able to have some, some repayment. Um, And now to watch the heat do that, this is like, this has been as much fun as you can have as a fan and to be able to ride the high of these victories into a, a series now where it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be heat Knicks is going to be, it's going to be another level. I'm very excited. Oh, it's going to be fantastic.
1: You know, and before getting to
0: that, you know, I, uh, I like to think of myself
1: as a little analytical. Um, I'm not smart enough to get all of it. Um, but, oh, boy, it's hard to live down here. It's hard to follow this Heat team and not buy into or believe that the Heat culture is a thing. You know, you mm-hmm. listen to these podcasts, you listen to any analysis, and it's like, yeah, the Heat are having a, you know underperforming regular season, but do you really want to face the Heat in the postseason? And I, I really want to get your perspective on sort of your experience, sort of the Heat's mentality. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a team that was – down, I think I'm correct here, down in the third quarter of the final play-in game against the Chicago Bulls, mm-hmm. and then took down the NBA championship <laughs> favorite in five games. It doesn't make and any sense. There's, there's something in the water, mm-hmm. in the Kaseya Center, you know, like, yeah. what is happening?
0: It's called heat culture, Patrick. It's called heat culture. No, I, I mean very seriously like heat culture is real um and look that's led by eric spolstra like eric spolstra is and and the genius, yeah and and pat riley set the stage for him right like heat culture is created by by pat riley and it's performed in its image by eric spolstra um and he's a genius of a coach like the adjustments made down the stretch of the final game uh, <laughs> how many
1: coach of the year awards does he have yeah I'm he has zero and
0: mike budenholzer oh. has two the guy who didn't anyway. know that timeouts are a thing, that man still has three timeouts. He still has three timeouts in his pocket. He's gonna wake up from a nap and call a timeout. I cannot well, believe they carry
1: they carry over
0: oh, into next I, Simply, I cannot. I mean, like seriously, like I'm I'm gonna be fascinated to see what actually happens with their their coaching position because uh, I Giannis did not seem very happy with the way that that season was coached or that that series was coached. Um, but going back to the sort of heat culture stuff, look ever since the big three era is really when heat culture in terms of the branding became a thing, right? Like we've all known that it was like this idea of, Oh, LeBron comes to Miami and there's this other expectation organizationally, and they don't take the, like you run the show, we run the show. And, and that's one thing. But when, when he left and when the heat had to figure it out, um, and when it was, you know, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and now a different surrounding cast. And then it became no Dwayne Wade and no Chris Bosh and a completely different cast of characters. You know, you saw a team one year that was, I think it was 11 and, and 31. 30. 10 and 31 There's... go 31 and 10 or or 11 and 30 yeah. go 30 and 11. However it was, you saw this team with a starting lineup that was... Goran Dragic, Dion Waiters, Rodney Magruder, Luke Babbitt, and Hassan Whiteside go 30-11 and with a bench that I believe was James Johnson, maybe Justice Winslow. Like, this was a a team, uh, Josh Richardson, who ultimately, because of the Heat, were able to turn Josh Richardson into a really good player for them. They traded him for Jimmy Butler. That's who they traded for Jimmy Butler. Where's Josh Richardson? Like, it's the most unbelievable ability that this team has to, and again, is this, I think you have to give the full organization credit because what they do is they maximize their players. They get the best out of whoever plays for them. The best years of LeBron James's career. We're with the Miami Heat. Yes, that's partially an age thing, right? He was here from, I think, age 26 to 30. That works out, that's your physical prime. But all of these role players, year after year after year after year, are maximized by the Miami Heat. You see that 10 and 31 become 31, or 30 and 11. You see a a team in 2020, in the bubble, know how to play basketball as a team, a team that had no business making a finals run. You saw a team last year. that was a number one seed with undrafted players all over the roster. And now you look at them and down the stretch here now with Tyler hero and Victor Oladipo hurt, this heat team only had six drafted players on the roster six and they upset the title favorites. And, and if you don't think that that is an organizational success, this is not about a team that's been, because I think there's a lot of people outside of Heat fandom that go, well, this franchise is lucky. They lucked into Dwayne Wade. Then they had Shaq. Then they lucked into Dwayne Wade recruited LeBron. Then they lucked into Jimmy Butler. No. No, they they helped Dwayne Wade, an incomplete player when drafted. Quickly turn into one of the best players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. They acquired Shaquille O'Neal through having a bunch of good young role players. And moving them for Shaq. They acquired LeBron James and Chris Bosh. Because Dwayne Wade sold them on, this is the organization that can help us do this. They acquired you he Jimmy. He sold them on Heat Culture. On Heat Culture. They acquired Jimmy Butler, in part because he wanted to be here because Dwayne Wade told him about it. This organization. What
1: did Dwayne Wade? What did Dwayne Wade tweet? There's something about those Marquette boys when they get a Heat uniform
0: on them. Uh, that's what I'm saying. And 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 the reality is is that. I mean, look, that's how Victor Oladipo ended up here, too, man. He wanted to be here because yeah. of Dwayne Wade. And so Jimmy Butler, like the irony is like people talk about Jimmy Butler now is like, oh, the Heat are so lucky they got Jimmy Butler. When when the Heat traded for Jimmy Butler, it was all oh, man, that's all they're doing. So mm-hmm. it's this ultimate example of this team maximizes whoever they have. They 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 turn they turn players who shouldn't be NBA players into NBA role players. They turn role players into starters. They turn starters into stars. And to watch them do it over and over again, this is just another example. Um, and you can see it. Like, if we look back, and, and before we get to the Knicks, like, if you look back at this last series, it's about instilling confidence in your team and in your role players. Jimmy Butler as a leader is incredible at that. Um, Udonis Haslam, by the way, as a leader, is incredible at that. And I don't think it should go unnoticed that Udonis Haslam and Bobby Portis had a confrontation in game five and then scored the same amount of points. That would be zero. Uh yeah. if you look at the role players in this series, the first place you have to start is Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson, who for for like two and a half years now has been dealing with confidence issues, right? It's just simply confidence he, issues. And,
1: probably been unfairly maligned in a yeah, lot of completely you know, fandom circles and stuff like that. But what does he do when it matters most?
0: And he showed up, man. And he when he up, was he called shot, upon. He shot 73% from three. He shot seventy three percent from three in this first Is that round good? series. <laughs> I think it's okay. Okay. I, and and at, by the way, like at a pretty high clip. Like he was needed. Yep. He was needed, and he showed up when it mattered. Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent, like, he was pretty inefficient in this series, but what Gabe was was asked to do was like, hey, go be Tyler hero. <laughs> like essentially, it was we don't have Tyler. Nobody else can create yeah. their own shot. You're literally the only guy left on this team other than Jimmy that can create his own shot. So even if you're not making it, please just go do it because we need to kill some time. Like,
1: that's kind of how it felt. And and, so, I, to, and I think I'm stealing this from Zach Lowe, but it yeah. was when Gabe Vincent steps on the court, it feels like Gabe Vincent feels, or is thinking, I'm the best basketball player on the court right now. Well, and
0: that's and what's that's, amazing. It's amazing that they can turn a guy who went to UC Santa Barbara Who's undrafted, who who played for other teams before he got here, who everybody said isn't a point guard and turn him into not only your starting point guard, but a guy who's going out there and taking 23 shots in the final game in this series. And by the way, it goes totally unappreciated because of Jimmy's game tying shot at the end. That with eight seconds left, down four, Gabe Vincent hit a three from like five feet behind the three-point line because the Bucks were doing everything they could to deny Jimmy Butler the ball. Gabe Vincent right there potentially saves the season because you have no idea how the series goes if it goes beyond five. You know, the pressure does start to shift to Miami if they're at home in game six and can't get it done. So that was a Huge shot and a huge moment. And you can just keep going, right? Max didn't have a great series, but Max Struess showing up and winning the Heat the play in game against the Chicago Bulls. Cody Zeller, who has had totally sporadic minutes, showing up and like his plus minus in this series was great. Like, he was really good, and there were multiple different runs where when Bam was struggling, Cody Zeller comes in and sort of settles things down. Kevin Love on the boards and from three. Kyle Lowry almost mostly on the defensive end, but also helping to settle the team. Haywood Highsmith guarding Giannis throughout the series in random minutes. And honestly, you could argue their second best player in this series all around was Caleb Martin. He was spectacular in this series. Offensively, defensively, he has been all year long the unsung hero of this team. So you look all across the roster and all these different guys step up and they know their role. And that's that's on Eric Spolstra. That's on Jimmy Butler. That's even on Bam Adebayo. This team, oh, and by the way, I didn't even mention Bam, who... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who, <laughs> everybody spent all series criticizing. A guy who's dealing with... You, you say it's a hamstring injury. This dude carried the Miami Heat on his back all regular season long because Jimmy Butler was preparing for the postseason. This is what Bam does. He gives his all every single night. He is banged up beyond belief. You guys have no idea the physical stuff that this guy has gone through. And, oh, he just simply drops a 20-point triple-double as a point guard at the end of the game, by the way. Like, this team is Heat culture personified. Um, and they have been for the last four years. And so yeah. it's special, man. It's it's special to watch, and it, and it excites you for, for what all of a sudden this Eastern Conference playoffs run could potentially look like.
1: It's This is more of a, a macabre uh, comparison, and I don't mean it in any bad way, but it's um, like the heat in Jimmy Butler. You think of um, like an earthquake in a building and those resonant frequencies that sort of <laughs> exacerbate both where it's he culture brings the best out of all the players and Jimmy Butler brings the best out of all of yep. the players. And so you put them together and you get this thing that can, I mean, they, it, it was not a cakewalk of a series despite some of the scores, but they just, they took down the butts in five and now they get yes, the next.
0: Yes, they did. And, so, and by the way, like we talk about Jimmy Butler and bringing the best out of players. A lot of people don't really understand uh, the Jimmy Butler experience. You know, they, the they hear right. And, and look, Eric Spolstra said it himself after game five where he what was, was like, like fighting each other Yeah, essentially he was like he's a little psychotic and we're a little psychotic and when psychotic meets psychotic well you guys know like he didn't even he didn't even get into it but essentially it's like look we all just want to win so freaking bad that sometimes we're gonna butt heads right these overly competitive maniacs and look I I view it's like actually the perfect example is like someone who's like Jimmy is Sandy Alcantara and that like you you saw it Sandy Alcantara and I played rock paper scissors before the season started and he like was like making me hide my hands because he didn't want me to cheat in rock paper scissors Mm -hmm. that's how competitive he is Jimmy Butler is that guy and so when you have that and a coach in Eric Spolstra who is the ultimate competitor, of course, you're bound to butt heads. And Jimmy's a huge personality who's constantly, like, cracking jokes. He's messing with the role players. But that's how he embraces people. He embraces people by almost trolling them. We heard the whole thing about playing nickelback in the locker room, right, and kind of trolling that's his so teammates. Good. It's perfect leadership. It's perfect leadership, and it's perfect for the Miami Heat. And now they take on the Knicks, and it's all going to be needed. Yes,
1: because I now I'm so curious, you know, this – there are some similarities too, where like the Knicks got Jalen Brunson, who has been sensational for them mm-hmm. all season long. Looks like honestly, if anything, an underpay. No, um, the best and, oh free boy, agent
0: if, signing for the Knicks like ever, and oh, one of the best and, oh, free boy, agent there, signings of the last ten years.
1: And and is there a team in Texas who regretting some of the decisions there? Maybe possibly. Oh, no. Anyway, um, but you you think of a team that. Uh, um, Knicks fans are a different breed. Heat fans are a different breed too, but it's, um, it was like, okay, cool. We got Brunson. We have Randall. What's next? Who's coming? When, why haven't we traded for Donovan Mitchell? And it's like, well, maybe you kind of have what you need already. Mm -hmm. And maybe it just works this way. So when you look at this Knicks team and, um, and sort of who they're rolling out, you know, we, we've seen it firsthand. We've seen what, uh, Julius Randall can do. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he was an all NBA player for a reason, you know, has a shot to do it again this year. Jalen Brunson's proven to be just a dynamic point of attack player. So what does this series look like for you um, as we get ready to kick off on, on Sunday afternoon? And, um, you know, how, how do the heat maintain this, you know, kicking things off in Madison Square Garden?
0: It's a great question. Um <laughs> My first answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how the heat maintains. was a good podcast, Jeremy. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, really like good. Uh, look, maintaining what they just did, this team was so inconsistent all season long. And in the final six weeks, you started to see flashes of this. It's why when you and I would have conversations, I'd be like, you never know. <laughs> you know, and I, I would try to convince everybody, hey, you never know. Because when you have Jimmy Butler and you have all of these players who, while they struggled this season, have shown you flashes of being able to do exactly what they just did, you can maintain some belief. The Heat and Knicks games this season were sensational. Um, like, we remember the Julius I mean, You were on the court for them. Yeah, I, well, uh, you know, I was on the sideline for for the final heat Knicks go. matchup. I was on the sideline for that one. By the way, Heat win. Um, True story. Nine and two when I was on the sideline this year. Just drop that in here in the middle of this podcast. Uh, the, the Miami Heat against the New York Knicks is such a fascinating matchup because some of the same problems that you were worried about with Milwaukee, which was essentially size, um, yeah. exist with the Knicks. The Knicks are a great rebounding team. Um, they have a lot of guys who are potent off their bench. They're they're long. Um, they have multiple guys who theoretically can be thrown at Jimmy Butler. Uh, although right now it doesn't really seem to matter who's thrown at Jimmy Butler. Like that's the part of this that's so fascinating is like he was scoring efficiently whether it was Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, or Brooke Lopez. Like it didn't matter. Um,
1: it's the it's the immovable object, unstoppable force type yeah. like thing. Could it's the could Jimmy Butler?
0: guard Jimmy Butler yeah it's a that's a great question I don't know the answer um and I think that like the the ultimate x factor in this series when when you look at the Knicks roster to me it's going to be RJ Barrett and whether he can score efficiently for the Knicks because the likelihood is when we look at like how the defensive coverages will work Jimmy Butler will more than likely more likely than not be the one tasked with guarding Jalen Brunson Okay, I would think Bam Adebayo will spend a lot of his time guarding Julius Randle, and we can get into that matchup in a moment, which means that when you look at the starting lineup, more likely than not, it's Gabe Vincent primarily on R.J. Barrett. And look, the Heat will change that up consistently. Caleb Martin will probably guard R.J. Barrett. Uh, you'll see Max Struess guard R.J. Barrett. You might even, if he gets going, see Jimmy Butler guard R.J. Barrett, particularly when J- when Jalen Brunson's on the bench. Or you could see Vincent and Butler switch those roles occasionally. The Heat also do a lot of switching defensively, and against the Bucks, they may do that a little. I mean, against the Bucks, against the Knicks, they may do that a little bit more than they did against the Bucks because the Bucks presented their individual players presented such specific matchups that the Heat weren't doing, at least it felt like, as much switching as 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 they do throughout the regular season. Um. I think there's a chance you could also see a little bit more zone defense in this series daring New York to beat them from 3. Um because New York is a a very good offense. Um but a lot of that comes from primary scoring of their best players. And they get spurts from role players, but if you're putting if you're putting all of the role players in position to have to beat you, can they do it? Um, Again, with Milwaukee, we thought that their bench and their depth would be the thing that would take down Miami, particularly after the Heat lost Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo, their next two best individual scorers after Jimmy Butler, like in terms of isolation ball. Mm -hmm. It's such a fascinating matchup now. Because number one, we don't know the health of Julius Randle going into the series, and I think that that's like the number one key factor at this moment. Like, if Julius Randle isn't actually healthy, this series changes completely. The, yeah, um, the it really look does. looks completely different. It's a completely different series if he's not himself. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, he's too special for it not to be a factor. Correct, but the argument could also be like, if we want to do, you know, if Knicks fans are going to do their excuse making off the top when that happens, it's like, well, Bam is not himself. Like, Bam is doing yes. this through straight up injuries. Um, and watching the two of them battle is going to be sensational. And so, to me, the the reason I mention Barrett as the X factor is because number one, I trust Jimmy Butler to at least slow down Jalen Brunson to an extent. Um put him in
1: uncomfortable situations.
0: Correct. That doesn't mean that Jalen Brunson isn't going to be spectacular. He probably will Brunson's because too, he's a spectacular yeah, player. He's too good. He's yeah, too good to expect him to not perform well, especially because of what Jimmy's tasked with on the offensive end. That's true too.
1: Right. But make his life more difficult
0: than he anybody expects. else would. Correct. Yes. Correct. And then with Bam and Randall, the interesting dynamics there are that while Bam and a is, you know, for my money, <laughs> one of the two or three best defenders in the NBA, who can guard every position, he hasn't exactly like shut down Julius Randle throughout his career, or even the, I mean, particularly this season. Um, that said, he's never been tasked with doing it in a series. It's been random regular season game in March. It's been random regular season game in January. It's not the same level of preparation. It's not the same level of team defense specifically scheming to stop this guy. It's not Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler being able to explain to you exactly what you need to do to slow him down. And it's not Bam dedicating his series to that. To me, the most important thing Bam can do in this series is make Julius Randle uncomfortable in the same way that the most important thing he could do in the previous series was make Giannis uncomfortable. He did that in games four and five. And he found a way to pick and choose his spots to carry the load offensively. To me, that's the most important thing when it comes to the defensive end for Miami. And so, in turn, it's then how do you slow down RJ Barrett, who's been playing pretty well for the Knicks as of late? And he's been, look, Barrett, I think, and, and, you know, I'm not as focused on the Knicks as, as obviously I am on the Heat, but I think Barrett has had some almost similar, um, Feelings from the Knicks fan base is, as Tyler Hero has from the Heat fan base, which is like... I think that's a good
1: comparison. Why really aren't
0: do. you always what you are at your best? <laughs> you know, why, why is there this level of inconsistency occasionally, particularly offensively, and it's the inefficiency that kills you. If the Heat can force RJ Barrett to be really inefficient, they have a very good chance to win this series. Well, you know, it's...
1: I think... I think you make a good point on the comparison between Barrett and Hero. And oh, by the way, uh, Barrett doesn't turn 23 until like a couple months from oh, now. So that great. may be why, but he's such a big wing. Um, I think that's a really good point. And then your the battle between Randall and Bam. You know, I was, I don't know if you could hear the, the clickety clacketing of my yeah. keyboard, but I was just looking up their head to head matchups on basketball reference. And, you know, you're right, Randall has the offensive edge there but they've played 15 games against each other and the Heat have won 10 of them. Yep. So, you know, we, we've seen firsthand how just effervescent Randall can be as an offensive basketball player. Um, and it's something truly special to behold. Um, but the Heat win basketball games. Yep. And so <laughs> getting to that, you know, you you mentioned in one of your seven previous uh, rants on mm-hmm. this pod that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> about Cody Zeller, Kevin Love, who stepped into the starting lineup over the the tail end of that first yeah. round series, uh, this and Kevin Love especially, who uh, a little bit less so in the latter stages of his career, but early on was it just a, a force on the boards. Mm-hmm. This Knicks team is Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, Josh Hart, who they gave up a barely a first round pick to get him, and who's been the perfect Tom Thibodeau player. Yep. Yep. Um, when you look at that and some of the struggles the Heat had during the regular season, at least. Postseason's been maybe a little different, but during the regular season, the the struggles on the boards. Um, how do you think the Heat address that? Do they have? Yeah, that's the question. How do they? No, address it? it
0: that? it's a it's a great question um, because y- there's not an individual answer. Like there's going to be a group effort on the boards. Um, the Heat somehow hung with the Bucks on on rebounds and and it doesn't make a lot of sense that they did. Um I do think Kevin Love has a lot to do with that. Um you know, he battled. I mean, battled and battled and battled and even when he wasn't the one coming up with the board, it was like just him banging in the post and making it uncomfortable for Brook Lopez or you know, Giannis or or whoever or Bobby Portis, anybody who was down there, you know, when you list all of these names for the Knicks, the box had the same level of length and strength. Um but, I mean, Mitchell Robinson averaged like six offensive rebounds a game versus the Cavs. Like, that's insane.
1: Yeah. That's insane. And he's going and, up against Jared Allen and Evan right.
0: I mean, they're – right. I mean, he's a tremendous offensive rebounder. And, look, second chance opportunities will kill you. And, and, yep. and it killed the Heat all season long. You know, like second chance opportunities that led to threes. Like that's what hurt the heat most of the season. And that's how they would give up these runs in the second or third quarter that would blow games open. And all of a sudden they'd be gone. That's the thing you can't have. I think that, I think I expect to see Kevin Love remain in the starting lineup. Um, I I expect to see him tasked with Mitchell Robinson early. Um, And I also expect that if it doesn't work, the heat will adjust. Um, I, my view going into the Bucs series was the only way the heat will win is if Jimmy Butler on the offensive end is exactly what he ended up being, which is like the best player in basketball and the heat shoot the ball really well from three and ultimately decide that their lineups where they can hit the three are more important than their lineups where they can slow down Milwaukee. So sacrifice defense for offense. No, no, no. This was last series. This was last. Oh, yeah, sorry. I almost view it the same way now where it's like there may need to be some moments where the Heat sacrifice size or defense just to be able to sort of keep up offensively and let Jimmy Butler do his thing. And remember, this Heat defense was not good this season, but what they were great at was forcing turnovers. And I think that that's how you beat the Knicks the way that the heat can beat the Knicks, not necessarily by slowing them down from a scoring perspective, because I think this Knicks offense is really good. And I think they are going to get their offensive rebounds that lead to second chance opportunities. And they're going to hit threes and Jalen Brunson is going to be great. And all of these guys are going to perform. This Knicks team is really good. They played the heat really well this season, but If the Heat can kind of keep up on the offensive end, continue to shoot the ball well from three, Jimmy Butler can continue to do his thing offensively. The Heat have been great all year, particularly at the end of games of forcing turnovers. Jimmy Butler getting in lanes, Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry, drawing charges, Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry. You know, it's what they do. and They're active. They're active. And and I don't think that this Heat defense is all of a sudden going to turn the Knicks from a team, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden make them score 10 or 15 less points per game than they were against Cleveland. That's just not going to happen. But if the Heat can be the ones who physically assert themselves early and turn this into a physical series and force turnovers, the irony is... I think the Knicks view it the same way. I think both of these teams want to play a physical, dirty series, forcing turnovers, drawing charges. Like, this might feel a little bit like old Heat-Knicks in a way that you don't really get in the NBA anymore. And no, you're not going to have players climbing on coaches' legs in all-out brawls more likely than not. Please, let's hope that doesn't happen. But on the same token, there are some ornery fellows on, uh, on both of these teams and uh, his coaches are the same way, man. Thibodeau and Thibodeau and Spolstra have had some battles over the years. And, you know, that, Jimmy, the Butler's not you were,
1: yeah, the adjectives you were throwing around for, for Spo and Butler. I'm like, well, you know, one of the, I think one of Butler's most favorite people is Tom Thibodeau. Yep. You know, we played for him twice. I think like that, that, the word can sound mean, um, but I'm going to use it because you used it like psychotic, right? Like they, they want what they want. And I I think when you were running through a little bit of your breakdown, what struck me as interesting is uh, I'm going to steal another thing from a much smarter basketball analyst, because I don't have any original thoughts, but I think it was uh, David Thorpe uh, who was maligning the idea of take what the defense gives you or take what the, uh, the other team gives you. And it's like, well, that's, that's what the other team wants you to do. So I, I think it. when you're talk I think what you're when you were talking about um the heat sacrificing maybe some offensive rebounding for a, a structure or a system that they're more comfortable in, you know, I, I think that's reasonable because you don't want to play into your opponent's hands. You don't want to take yourself out of your your current rhythms. And um I'm curious as we sort of get close to the end here, your X factors on that front. What are what is something you think the heat can throw out? Um, that'll make life more difficult for the Knicks and, and could lead to uh, a situation where the we're getting we're getting wait till next year from from Knicks fans oh, earlier man, than God. they'd like.
0: I just gotta say, you guys think I'm insufferable now? Oh if, boy, if the heat upset the Knicks, like and then <clears throat> and then upset like the Celtics, Pff, come on. Uh, I think that the there's they're a few gonna have X to add factors. Jeremy yelling Bing Bong to the yeah. soundboard. Oh that's what's boy, that's exactly that's exactly what's gonna happen. The 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 things that I think stand out to me about the series, um, three point shooting is is going mm-hmm. to be huge on on both sides, as it is in the NBA across every series. Um, and they I were unreal,
1: like just yeah. unreal in those five games. Uh, forty five percent seems unsustainable, but but is, is it, it? These are no. So that's these a are short question. series. It's two yeah. weeks.
0: You know. Yeah. I, I, look, the the question is, what is sustainable? Um, yeah. But I think a, a lot of us assumed after fifty six points from Jimmy Butler that he certainly <laughs> wouldn't go back and drop yeah. forty two. You know, like as they come in back, the playoffs, more
1: pedestrian 33.
0: Yeah. But like in the playoffs, sustainable is a, is, a, is a complicated question because as you just said, these are two week long series, you got to do it for two weeks and then reset. And it's another almost season of itself. And for the heat, I do think what's interesting is, is I think there's a chance that New York could guard bam, similarly to how Milwaukee did with a lot of drop coverage. Mm-hmm. And basically forcing Bam to beat them with jumpers. Um, the good news is, is that in games four and five, while Bam, look, man, all, all series, Bam had moments where it was like he looked like he couldn't dribble, just from how uncomfortable he was offensively. At the same time, fourth quarter came around, he was hitting jumpers, he was hitting those shots I've, I've that we saw all season it, long. We've seen him do it over and over again. And if Bam can have a series where instead of shooting like 20% from those mid-range jumpers, he's not even shooting like what he did during the regular season, which was like near a 60% clip. But like if he just shoots like 40% on those types of jumpers and makes the Knicks have to respect that shot, it completely changes what the Heat can do offensively. It opens things up for Jimmy Butler. It opens things up for Bam to drive by guys and get some easier buckets. It opens up more guys coming at Bam and him as a great passer being able to hit open three-point shooters. That Bam mid-range jumper, as it was against Milwaukee for moments, will be a huge factor in this series. And and for the Knicks, it's their bench. Um, the yeah. one place where the Knicks have seemingly, as the Bucks did for what it's worth, but seemingly have a major advantage is, look, the Heat just don't have the type of depth right now that, the Knicks do in terms of just a pure talent standpoint. You know, the, the Heat are running essentially an eight or nine man rotation. That's literally, all right, we got eight or nine guys who are healthy. <laughs> there's no Tyler Hero. There's no Victor Oladipo. Not, look, Oladipo was not probably going to be a huge part of this postseason run if everybody was healthy regardless. But it's more to say they're now on their, their third version of the next best go-get-it-yourself bucket getter in Gabe Vincent. Um, what's really crazy is that, you know, it's not like Gabe was super efficient, so it's not like they, they need that from him this series. I think the way that essentially the way that I view it is if the heat are going to win this series, it's going to be two Jimmy Butler. He goes and win it, wins it himself games. It's going to need to be one bam game and not like a bam gets 20 and 10, like bam gets 30. And goes out there and dominates. And it's going to take one. And I think it's Max Struess. I think Max Struess is the guy who. We've seen it. When he has a game. The Heat win. Like when Max plays well. The Heat win. Because when he plays well. He's arguably. One of the best all around players on this team. He's not. Like when he plays well. And he's hitting from three. He also will then take advantage of that. And drive right by you. And throw it down. In a way that's not really expected. So. You know, there's a lot of different factors that go into this series, and it's hard. It's hard when, you know, obviously I have a much greater understanding of the Heat than I do the Knicks. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have done all of the uh, watching of tape that I probably will in the next 48 hours um, to try to understand this Knicks team a little bit better. The same way that I know the Heat are. Um, that said, you know, it really ultimately will come down to the greatest players in this series, right? Bam and Jimmy. Julius Randle, Jalen Bronson. How do those four guys play? You know, and and ultimately, I'll take Jimmy and Bam over anybody. Like that's like I'll ride with those guys. They keep getting it done, no matter how much the fan base keeps going. Oh man, you know, is it? Can it be this core of these two guys? Does this make sense? Does does it need to be somebody different with Jimmy or does it need to be somebody different with Bam? All that keeps happening is they keep winning series against people they're not supposed to beat. And so I'll take those two dudes and I'll run with them against anybody. So I know what you want to do here is you want to ask me for a prediction. Um, I'll say Heat in six. I place. I don't I don't see a world where all of a sudden the Heat just go right back to regular season form of looking inept because they had moments where they looked inept even in this series against Milwaukee. But the difference is. And the difference between now and the regular season is it's it's playoff Jimmy. (laughs) Like during the regular season, there'd be moments where the heat offense would look inept and then Jimmy would come back in the game and he'd just kind of coast and be a part of the inept thing. And he'd be trying to set up his teammates and those shots wouldn't go in and then the lead would get even bigger and it would fall apart. And then he'd come out of the game and it'd be over this year in the postseason. What you're seeing is every moment Jimmy Butler's in the game, he's the best player on the floor and he's going to get his. It does not matter. He'll set up his teammates. He'll help them. But you look at his stats, man. He's getting his. And when he's on the floor, he's going to be the one controlling the game the same way that we used to see when LeBron James would control the game in that he knows exactly what's going on on the offensive end, on the defensive end. When you watched him in game four, in the final game, it was unbelievable. I only was keeping my eyes on him for the final quarter of that game in game four. And literally... Every possession on every end was just him pointing at an individual teammate and going, you get over there. Hey, you, you get over there. Hey, you, you get over there. I'm going to be here. All right, when I get the ball, all right, now you go into that corner. You go into that corner. You come set me a screen. He's controlling the entire thing. And I'll ride with that guy until the ride is over. So to me, Heaton six seems reasonable. I really want to say Heaton five. Uh... But I think that look, the Knicks are a really good team, and this is gonna be a really tough battle. It's hard to predict who's gonna win this series. I didn't think the series was gonna necessarily happen. Um, but to be in this spot now, I don't I don't see a world where all of a sudden this goes from you know, this heat team that could take down Milwaukee right back to like incredibly inconsistent, can't shoot the three. And and look, maybe that happens. Maybe that's what this season is. Maybe, maybe this first round series is this season personified, which is like, oh, they could have been that. <laughs> but all year long, they were this team that showed up against the Knicks and lost in five. It's possible. And it's possible that that's kind of the post-mortem at the end of this, where we look back and go, man, what was this team? <laughs> you yeah. know, what were they at their peak and what were they at their valley? But to me- but right now- Right now- Jimmy Butler's hard... got a fusion
1: reactor in his chest. Correct. It
0: feels... It's unbelievable and it's hard, it's hard not to view them as having turned to the corner. So, yeah. Jimmy Butler the proverbial and the boys. playoff switch. Yep. Yep. And so, that's where we're at. So, after about an hour of this and ranting about heat culture and what makes them great and what makes Jimmy Butler unbelievable, unsurprisingly, the result is see in the Eastern Conference Finals, Celtics.
1: Whoa. No Come love on. for Philly.
0: Come on. I mean, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. It's totally possible that Philly could win and that would be fun and whatever, but come on, if you I'm just saying the thing I want. You don't want another shot at the Celtics? Come on. Like it That's would fair. be a blast.
1: You're just suggesting that they pack heavy for the Game 5 trip back up to Madison Square Garden wherever they have to stay up in the Northeast. That's exactly what I'm
0: saying. That's exactly what I I'm saying. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Pa- pack it, an extra it, suit. It, How about that? The old <laughs> Riley, the old Riley, hey, only pack one pair of clothes cuz we're we're, we're 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 this is it. Yeah. This, this is uh, maybe pack a little extra because we're heading up to Boston. So Love we'll it. see. We'll see what happens. But I'm just all I'll tell you is like I'm really excited for the series. I know there's a little part of this even that's a little bit of the bravado and persona and like you know the confidence in the heat. I think it's hard not to be confident though, and this is going to be a really fun series. And again, we'll have you all covered post game, every single game on Bally Sports. Right.
1: I, I think you're right. I, I think it's this is for all basketball fans this is old school basketball who remember those knock down drag out yep. fights between the Knicks and the Heat and this is for the people who um, you know I'm an old person but younger people like you were a little younger going yeah these are fun dynamic teams that works this is this is fun for for all ages as yes, they it would is. say and, and you're right extended game coverage Valley Sports
0: on after every game I gotta tell you uh, I'm pretty happy that Udonis Haslam gets a Heat Knicks series in his final season Oh right. Okay. That's awesome. Icon living, man. Like it's, it's awesome. Yeah, is shaping up. Yes. It, everything's been perfect the way that that's all gone down. The way that he. No. Oh my goodness. No, we just boat.
1: talked for an hour about the Miami Heat, and we, we didn't just even didn't mention touch exactly. on like. That the culmination, you know, the the flowers he's getting for the remarkable institution that he is.
0: He deserves every and second yeah, of it. And he yes. culture, he culture doesn't exist without Udonis Haslem. Like yeah. Spoelstra says it, and he said it about Jimmy, but he also says it about Ud, which is like he is us, and we are him. And that is what Udonis Haslem is. It's the reason he's his bloody eye is sitting behind me on this lovely podcast set next to my refrigerator, Uh, and. It's why you know there, there's no reason not to believe in the Miami Heat. So, as we wrap this up, um, first game is one o'clock on ABC um, on Sunday afternoon, and again, we will have you guys covered post game with the Heat Live post game show. Um, you can follow at Bally Heat on Twitter, at Bally Sports Florida on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, Bally Sports Florida and Sun. Um, and yeah, this is Miami Mike'd up. So thanks for listening to me ramble. Patrick, thank you so much for facilitating my rambling. Uh, and this was a lot of fun. So, yeah. eating six, everybody. We love it. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami mic Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.